Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations faced with life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive in to today's show. Hello, and thank you for joining us on the Victor Mark Show. You may have already recognized this is not Victor. This is the Chief Operating Officer for All Things Possible Ministries, and you may recognize my voice from the Mission Minutes that run throughout the day. It is my pleasure to fill in for Victor as he is traveling here for a little while. And I get to be the host with this interview with Adam Kinnikin. Adam is using his platform not only to provide security training for military personnel and law enforcement, but also to support the efforts of other organizations that are backing these unsung heroes of our society. Adam, thank you for joining me on the show today, brother. How are you doing? Absolutely, man. Happy to be here. This is awesome. So let's start with what we uh, former military guys love to do more than anything is talk about ourselves. Let us let us know a little bit about you, Adam, and, and, when, uh, and what your history has been to get you to here and uh, start from birth and go. Yeah, well, I'm originally from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, so I'm a Canadian boy, uh, born and raised, started a martial arts journey very early in life and uh, transitioned that into full-time sports, did psychology at the University of Saskatchewan before joining the military at 19 years old uh, as an infantry officer, spent six years in the forces, ended up fracturing my spine in training. Uh, That was a ton of fun. I don't recommend it. Come on, what's the story with that? You can't just jump past that one, broke back. Yeah, well, it's, it's super simple. I mean, anybody who's familiar with um, Gagetown, Gagetown is a training base in New Brunswick on the east coast of Canada. It's the largest training base in the Commonwealth. And uh, one of the sections of the base is utilized by armor and recce and like dismounted. And so we were doing dismounted platoon attacks. Real simply, about a week before, um, it had rained a ton, and then Armour decided to roll a bunch of labs through uh, for like three days doing exercises. Everything dried out, and so we were then running across these fields that had like two-foot-deep tracks and, and ruts in them. Ended up falling into a rut. You know, my shoulders went to one end, my hips stayed on the other, and then my ruck and all of my ammo and about 100 pounds worth of gear went down through the middle of my back so uh everything went numb um i got uh, i got casavac out of there uh that was a ton of fun couldn't feel my legs for a few days and um thankfully everything came back to normal um minus a few little uh, permanent nerve damage things here and there but we're, we're good to go for the most part so that was that was kind of the beginning of the end of my military career Wow. I was lucky that before I left, I was able to transition to a training officer role. So I ended up doing a lot of stuff with uh, CBRN defense, so chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear defense, and then also transitioning into like a regimental training officer role where I got to basically design the training program for the regiment, which was, it was a blessing in that I was able to take all the skills I had learned and then stack on top of that training development and then transition that into my career civvy side, which began this this whole journey, which is now the uh, International Law Enforcement Training Network. So 
Um, got out of the forces, continued on with with uh, private security uh, type work, training, um, and then training with military law enforcement personnel. And um, basically everything led to where we are now. And it led to you and I meeting uh, last year when we had the uh, first ILET summit and you came and spoke and did a, a presentation on counter sex trafficking, which was amazing. And then that spurred the the advent of this year's international summit on counter sex trafficking that's happening in, in June here. So it's, uh, it's been a crazy ride, man, but uh, wouldn't change it for the world. You know, we've, we've been working together here for the past year on and off. I, di- I didn't realize that story. Um, so the broken back from tripping in a rut. So as far as military stories go, you know what I mean? You could have got blowed up. You could have got, uh, you know, broken on a, on a, on a parachuting or something like that. You, you tripped yeah. in a rut. Could have gone with the jump course, could have gone with something on deployment. No, no. I've done a, a bunch of podcasts before too. And, P- and I usually just leave it at like, it was like a training accident, which is the go-to for, I'm not talking about what actually happened, but legitimately <laughs> mine was really a training accident. Well, you, you mentioned your podcast and you know, the couple of things I wanted to highlight is you're the host and producer of the tactical breakdown It's a podcast for first responders, military personnel, law enforcement, and their families as well as the International Law Enforcement Training Summit where we met. Um, and what, what was fascinating to me with that was there were, man, how many topics were in that summit? Dozens and dozens of topics. And what seemed to grab the attention of a lot of the participants was really digging into sex trafficking and understanding on a global scale. Can you, can you talk a little bit about how that has morphed now into this huge opportunity to learn more internationally here in June. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was just fortuitous that you and I got connected. I think it was through, cause we had uh, Tim Kennedy on and I think the, the team at sheepdog put me in touch with you and uh, we started talking. And one of the things with ILET that people, we want people to realize is it's about getting outside of your bubble. So especially for instructors, we tend to fall into these little echo chambers of ideas and methodologies where I learn from the people that are closest to me and we, we share ideas, but we never really go outside of our own little box. And so one of the core tenants that we, we try to hold to every time we hold an event or hold training with ILET is pulling in information and knowledge from outside of your traditional um, means. So with this, when you and I spoke, it was like, well, this is law enforcement training, but you're bringing in the military special operations experience and the NGO experience that a lot of officers will never have seen or never had exposure to yet. And so I think that in and itself was the reason why it was so popular because you don't know what you don't know. And that's the funniest thing with these events that we host every time it's we, of course, we bring people in by bringing in like the Tim Kennedys and the Tony Blowers and the Dave Grossmans of the world, right? And But then we we trick them. They come in thinking they're going to get a bunch of high-speed stuff, and then we shove real training down their throat. So that's what this was. And, of course, I mean, it helps that, you know, you're a, you're a fantastic presenter and you know your stuff. So that makes it a lot easier for people to understand concepts. They watched it, and you, well, you know the feedback because we talked immediately after, and it was like, we want more. And that was what started the conversation between you and I, which was, well, why don't we just put a whole event together on this? Because obviously the, there's a need and a want for this information. 
what has been interesting to me when I was retiring and I was being called into looking at sex trafficking and, and building organizations to do something about it, which is a, uh, all things possible. It's, it's one of our foundations. We don't talk about it that much publicly. Um, people know us from being overseas and the work that we we're doing to recover sex slaves in Iraq and Syria and the outreach that we have in Cambodia. But, but the stuff that we're doing right here in North America, we don't talk about that much. And when I was transitioning and thinking about this cross-domain knowledge, kind of what, what you're talking about, I think what you do really well with your eyelet training is it's this cross-domain. What, what do we know in this discipline and how does that transfer for what my calling or my profession is? And I went into this thinking that some of the cross-domain knowledge as a counter-terrorist professional or a counter-insurgency professional would translate. You know, I thought, oh, maybe 50%, 60%, understanding your enemy, understanding tactics of exploitation and oppression. But it is 100% and then some of a cross-domain overlap with what I learned as a, as a counterinsurgency expert on how these traffickers manipulate and control these young kids. And I think to me, that's what's fascinating about it. And you and I share this, this common background of, of, of students of psychology. The psychology that's involved with sex trafficking is diabolical. The actual like meanness, the violence of the crime. I mean, it is so mean. I mean, it's just mean. And then the very practical and pragmatic business aspects of how much money these guys can make off the exploitation of women. I think it's a fascinating crime category to study. And any law enforcement officer or lawyer or someone who's in, in, involved with you know victim advocacy to study this particular crime is going to help them in these other crime aspects like gang violence, you know, drug trafficking and, and that type of deal. So I think you've been stumbling into that along with me. It's fascinating. As we as we put this event together uh, for this month, we have probably close to 35 speakers now from, you know, four continents. With that, it's it's really interesting because we have, like you said, this cross-pollination of knowledge that's happening. And you talk about, you know, things like, why it is that it's so important that we have these events and we share this knowledge and information. And it's because people will default back to what they know or what they've been taught, right? Or what they assume. And so the, the coolest thing about this event that we're running right now, and I know it's a kind of a core component of, of what you guys do with all things possible is it's victim centered. It's survivor centered. And that is something that has been missed over the last, you know, 20, 30, 50, 100 years when it comes to law enforcement and their interaction with human and sex trafficking. There are universalities of trafficking. What what happens with victims, right? Trauma is trauma. It doesn't matter if you're uh, a citizen of the United States, of Canada, of another Commonwealth country, of Indonesia, of Japan, of China, Russia, doesn't matter. Human beings are human beings. We all process trauma in pretty much the same way. It all, and so we say, okay, well now I have an expert from the US, somebody from you know Europe, somebody from Southeast Asia, and now all three of us come together and say, okay, well here are the commonalities and here are the differences. And then what, if you are invested in it, you will look at the differences a lot more closely than the commonalities and say, why do these differences exist? And how can I utilize that piece of information 
in my in my world, right? Because things are done differently all around the world, right? You take the definition of human trafficking and it's different depending if you're in North America, in Europe, or you're in like Southeast Asia, the, the definition changes, right? In, in North America, we primarily put human trafficking in with sex trafficking. It, it's, it's kind of one in the same. On the other side of the world, that's not the case at all. It's, it's two very distinct things. So we have to be careful that when we put these online and international events together and we're getting information in from other sources is that you understand backgrounds, you understand definitions, and you set a groundwork which is what we've found is missing in traditional law enforcement today, which is that groundwork of understanding of when we say sex trafficking or human trafficking, what does that mean to every single officer? Because it's different. You can take somebody who's in New York or in central Ohio or in Texas and ask them what human trafficking is. And you're probably going to get three different definitions. I think that's a problem. And that's what we're trying to remedy with this. And that's why, you know, from the from the jump, I had you on board because you and I think a lot the same. We think we have the same methodology when it comes to how can we deliver the most knowledge and information the, the quickest and most efficient way possible. And I, I, I liked your term universalities. I, I can't spell it, but I, but I like it. <laughs> so there are these differences. And yet these universalities that you talk about, just like trauma is trauma. I don't care if you if you got it from combat experience or car accident or even more of, of the subtle things that most people go through where they're they're lonely or they don't they don't feel like they're loved. You know, there's this this kind of break in this connection with with other people or with, the, you know, with the spiritual realm. And yet the human dynamic is exploited so much by these predators. And, and as we continue to talk, we'll, I'll use the word pimps, I'll use the word trafficker, and, th and those are synonymous. You know, there's, there's no reason for us to try to discern, is this guy just a pimp or is this guy a trafficker? Like you're saying, by law, trafficking has to have an element of force, fraud, or coercion. You know, this is one of the things I talk about with people, is how often do you think a pimp uses force, fraud, or coercion to, to get his girls to do something that they don't want to do. That's a daily occurrence. So what are some of the universalities that, that, that you've picked up over the last year plus that you've been looking at this that these predators are taking advantage of? Well, so I'm going to preface everything that comes after your question here by saying I am in no way, shape, or form a expert on sex trafficking, counter-sex trafficking, counterinsurgency, or anything of the like. My background, like I said, I'm a I'm a defensive tactics firearms guy. That's my background. So I've had my eyes opened over this last year as to th this entire industry and how just widespread it is. And some of the difficulties that are currently being faced, I'll give you one universality. There is still way too much red tape when it comes to interagency and interorganizational communication and cooperation. I would say from my perspective, that is the number one biggest piss off is that it's like, these are our toys we don't want to share. It happened when we set this event up. You know, our goal from the get-go was to have everybody and their dog involved with this event. If you were involved in sex or human trafficking from a law enforcement perspective or an NGO perspective, we wanted you on this event because we wanted everyone's opinions because everybody has a different opinion. And by doing that, we create that baseline. But there's a lot of major agencies that would say, we can't officially support this. 
because of our current administration, because of our ethics board, because of whatever it is, whatever excuse they want to give. And it's just it's just a frustrating conversation that keeps happening where it's like, well, no, we can't share our information with with people. And we go, well, you know, for this event, for example, we have a law enforcement only category where they're vet like they have to submit credentials. We have to know their badge numbers, their agencies. We need to know who they are before they're even granted access to the content. Like it's it's there. And they're still like, no, we don't want to we don't want to partake. That's the most frustrating thing is when you have knowledge and you refuse to share that knowledge, right? Go, I go always, I always tie everything into martial arts. It's like you have a grandmaster who doesn't share everything that they know. You lose pieces along the way if it's not openly shared and communicated, right? We see that with oral histories. We see that through anthropological studies and studies of society. If we don't share what we know, we're going to lose certain components and certain things we'll never get back. And, you know, that's kind of taken a, a 20,000 foot view of all of this. But when I talk about things that are standard across the board that I've noticed, it's there's way too much red tape. And it's it is probably the most frustrating thing that I've come across this entire year. Well, and, and I, I want to sing your praises a little bit here also, because what what you're doing has been a, a, a vision uh, on, on my heart for years. And that is to get all of these different cats and dogs in, into one place to, to share this information. And I, you know, I, I know how you've done it. It's a combination of your, your good looks, your charisma, and a lot of hard work. And you, you've been successful in breaking down a lot of these boundaries and, and bringing everybody to the table. Now, where we are meeting is in this virtual space. So I think that was what's fascinating as well. As many bad things that have happened with COVID, even though we've gone internal and isolated in a lot of ways, there is this increased interest in, in learning more because we feel like we're literally sitting in rooms staring at a little screen, right? So I think psychologically there is an openness for some of these groups to share things that they maybe didn't want to share before. And I've been incredibly impressed with, with how you've been able to break down those boundaries. And, and, and I'm really looking forward to, to this upcoming summit. Now, I, I know it's in June. I didn't, I didn't have my notes in front. What, what are the, the couple days when it begins, the access begins? So the summit begins on June 22nd. It runs the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday till the 24th. Now, um, there's a caveat to that. And the, that is, is that we're leaving access to the event open until the end of July. So pretty much all of the sessions right now, for the most part, will be pre-recorded and on demand. So and the reason we do that and the reason we leave it open is our core focus is to get as many people through the training as humanly possible. So by restricting days and times, it really limits a lot of people, especially our, you know, our friends and colleagues in law enforcement. You know, if they're on shift, if they're on days, they're on nights, they're tasked out somewhere else, they're on leave. It, it makes it difficult for them to access. So we leave that thing open. And we have the three tracks, a civilian track. So for civilian members or uh, members of uh, NGOs or other organizations that want to partake, um, we have a legal professionals track, which is primarily for prosecutors, which is restricted to legal professionals and law enforcement. And then we have the law enforcement only track, which of course is gonna be for vetted law and active duty law enforcement personnel. So for the listeners out there, Adam, what, uh, how do they access it? What's the cost? Um, how, how does this work for anyone who's hearing about this for the first time and they think, I 
not only want to check this out, but I have to check this out. So it's it's really interesting how we set this. And you'll know this from our previous event with ILET. The way ILET functions all of our events is any profit that comes in, we donate back to a charity or organization that's in the realm of what we're doing. So last year's event was all went to Officer Mental Health. This year's event, we're donating it back to organizations that combat sex and human trafficking at a regional level. So if funds come in in the U.S., they stay in the U.S. If they come in in Canada, they stay in Canada and, and so on and so forth. Some people, when they hear virtual event, they think massive dollars. Um, we basically keep it as cheap as humanly possible so that everybody can access it. So uh, 47. And what that does is every civilian that joins it, we're also going to sponsor a law enforcement officer to attend for free. So every civilian that joins, you sponsor a law enforcement officer to attend and all of those profits go to charity. So win, win, win. Um, where you get access to 35 instructors and probably 40 hours plus of video training. Um, so that's a that's a really cool thing. And then for our our friends over in the law departments, our prosecutors, and legal professionals, um, theirs is ninety seven dollars and then up to one ninety seven uh, because we do have continuing education credits available to them for some ethics hours, depending on what tracks they decide to take. So, yeah, lots of lots of really cool options and um, it goes to a great cause. Yeah, it's it's amazing the pricing, and I, I I don't know how to emphasize this enough to everybody is that this is a must check out. This is one of a kind. It's the first of its kind. Hopefully, not the last of its kind. You will you will not be able to find the depth and breadth of information when it comes to human trafficking globally anywhere else. So one of the things that All Things Possible is doing also is is sponsoring these tracks for law enforcement. So, you know, to, to the tune of a couple thousand dollars, we've thrown that in the pot with Adam. For any law enforcement officers that want to take this, we want to cover um, cover that cost. So so we've got some regional partners that, we're, uh, that we've connected with and are already sponsoring. But if there's any law enforcement entity out there listening to us, reach out and we'd like to sponsor you to take this course. Um, what uh, what are some of the recent highlights? You and I have been talking and, and, and bringing together all these different cats and dogs. We haven't spoken in about a, a couple of weeks since we were on our trip overseas. What uh, what are some of the highlights that just popped for you recently with the summit? Um, well, I had a really interesting uh, conversation this morning. We did a roundtable um, discussion. Um, we had an expert from the U.S. here. Um, we had to a psychologist, a psychologist and a human trafficking expert out of Greece, um, the federal uh, rapporteur for sex trafficking for the country of Greece um, was on the call as well. Um, and uh, another person who is the spent 15 years in counter sex trafficking in Europe was chief and now has been elected to parliament. Um, and so we're, we pulled in this completely different viewpoint um, and I think what people will find fascinating is all of the things that they brought up are that they have challenges in Europe are the exact same conversations that we have with officers and agencies in North America. And it's literally the same thing, the same problems with organizations, the same problems with building cases for prosecution, the same problems with re-traumatizing victims and not understanding uh, trauma-informed interview and trauma-informed counseling and utilizing victim services. So there's some really cool things there. Um, and then, of course, for our law enforcement professionals, one of our friends that we and groups that we signed on is the National Child Protection Task Force. 
um, which is based out of the US, um, that are absolute experts in OSINT. And so they dive deep. And here's an interesting thing real quickly before we finish up. I jump on a call with these guys and I thought I was in a movie for a minute because within 15 minutes, they showed me a photograph of a, that was taken, obviously the child was blurred out, but taken in a, uh, an apartment off of a balcony. And by doing things like brick pattern analysis and, um, you know, analyzing the uh, position of the sun and the buildings and the road work and all of these things, um, he showed me how they were able to take a photograph and track it down to a, uh, an apartment building in France. And then from that, an open source able to find out who the owner of that apartment was and actually track down the trafficker um, within a few days, all from open source information. So uh, for me, I'm sitting back and I'm like, I'd only seen that in movies. Um, and I know you're familiar with it, Jeff, but for me, for me, I was just like, that was absolutely fascinating. And so if we can share that information with the world, I think we're we're going to be a lot better off. Well, Adam, I don't want to leave our our listeners hanging today. Would you would you like to come back tomorrow and we'll pick up where we left off uh, talking about uh, these things that you've learned here? Definitely OSINT, something I want to continue to dig into. That's open source intelligence and learn a little bit more about you. You, you willing to come back tomorrow? Absolutely, brother. I got all the time in the world for you. All right, man. I appreciate it. So make sure that you check out Adam's podcast, Tactical Breakdown. To learn more about Adam or listen to the Tactical Breakdown, you can visit him at breakdown.ca. Again, that's the breakdown.ca. So once again, I'm Jeff Teagues filling in for Victor Marks. We're out of time for today, but thanks for joining us on this edition of the Victor Marks Show. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.